0: Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. On today's episode, we get together live at Southern Nazarene University. We talk a little bit about sacred spaces and how important sacred spaces are for us as Christians. So why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you? I'm doing good. We are sitting live on the campus of Southern Nazarene University. It's a time to begin. Amen. Uh. Yes. (laughs) Live on a quiet campus. It's Labor Day. Why are you here, Michael? I'm here because my baby girl came to visit,
1: and um, her grandfather didn't think that she should drive I-35 on Labor Day weekend. And so... He said, if you'll drive her up, I'll buy you a flight back. So
0: That's very sweet. Yeah. He, he, Super well, sweet. He,
1: he flew a lot, and he traveled a lot when he was working, and I think he still has a lot of airline miles. Gotcha. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I am here because you texted me and said you were going to be here, and so I thought it would be fun. Well, you, it was your idea. Well, I need a ride to the airport. So. Oh, that was yeah. part of it. Yeah. And yeah. then also to record a live pontificating pastor. Yes. We are sitting in the in front of the library, and if you've never been to Southern Nazarene, they just redid their library. There's a coffee shop, which is closed today, but they serve uh, Starbucks drinks, and I meet with my interns here every week. But we're outside, and we're looking at what used to be the prayer chapel at SNU. Yes. And now is a piece of ground with a fence around it that says, Pardon Our Progress. Apparently there's a prayer garden going there, but the prayer chapel flooded. I don't know if you know this, but that's why it was torn down. Yeah. yeah. I would love to say that I spent a lot of time praying in that prayer chapel when I was at SNU, but I will be as honest as possible and say I never really went in there. And uh, <laughs> well, what, you, you what I <laughs> thought it was for was people making out. When I was oh. in Southern Nazarene, there were lots of stories of people making out in the prayer oh, Chapel. Oh, Because no. it's one room that was always open. Well, I know you you went in there after graduation. After graduation, yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, because
1: I'm pretty sure that when they tore it down, they had to take a tote, like a plastic Rubbermaid tote, out of one of the closets there in the back, right behind the, the platform. I would full, almost guess that. Full, full of stuff from an interactive prayer thing that we did here for... Uh, At the Yes Conference it, back yeah, in the was day, something, yeah, and then we
0: uh, we abandoned it and forgot yeah. all about it. We left our stuff just sitting around. <coughs> that's the way we do. That's that's Youth Pastor <coughs> One Hundred and One. Just leave your stuff places and let other people clean it up. Yes, we're right. and, I, and now I am reaping the benefits of that as I have Youth Pastors. Not that Brent Green or or Nathan will will do that, but maybe. So yes, the Prayer Chapel has been torn down and. Uh, I know for some people that was a really sad moment. It was sad for me too. Um, I have been in there since I graduated um, for other reasons. Other, I didn't ever go in there and make out. Let me let me make that clear. <laughs> I just felt like there was something wrong with that. that but yeah, but yeah. that was kind of the
1: rumored thing when I I, was I would go in there or in the bricks outside because it had really kind of. Uh, weird shaped bricks sticking out of the side of it and um, and it would leave gaps and whatnot and so i would hide um i would hide little rolled up pieces of paper with clues to scavenger hunts on it for when i would send kids to snu i'd say hey i left you a scavenger hunt the first clue is and i'd tell them where it was and they would lead to other clues wow yeah,
0: yeah. So. so apparently though on facebook it, it's been a really big deal that the prayer chapel is being torn down like I, yeah. you know, I have friends, I guess, that were much more spiritual than me that talked about, like, complete life changes <laughs> oh, that yeah. happened there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, yeah. and it Shane's, is, you know, Shane Rackley will sell you a cup, a, I've a heard coffee this. cup,
1: yeah. you, maybe you could drink from it at your intern meetings,
0: there it's you a, go, it's a
1: coffee cup made from the clay,
0: of the prayer left, chapel,
1: what's left of the prayer yeah. chapel,
0: so, yeah. I actually thought about buying one of those, but then I felt like a hypocrite, because I never really visited there much when I was there, <laughs> and so, Anyway, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a change, but there will be a prayer garden there. There is a prayer room at SNU, so before you write your local board of trustees member or anything like that, um, don't, don't be too upset. We aren't abandoning prayer at SNU, if you've heard the rumor. And, and right in front of us is the fountain and uh the centennial, the plaza. centennial pl- yeah. and you have an interesting story about the plaza and as sure. we're telling this nathan, hey, Cook nathan. has walked up for the chair and join us bub. Well, we're just podcasting well, no big deal so if you need to go that's yeah. fine too. i got a disc stuck on the roof so security's about to meet me to help me out oh cool. <laughs> okay so. cool yeah there may be disc golf in our future here right yeah, after this I play so. a quick game before we go to the airport yeah tell us about the centennial plaza when you know um the
1: centennial plaza is a uh, it's like three little fountains, three stacked stones. One's small, one's medium, and one's big. And uh, they're they're just stacked up, cut stones like a, I don't know, limestone. Uh looks like they uh, were cut into, you know, butter sticks. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, and, then and people
0: s- used to like to swim in that, but I hear there's a huge fa- oh, yeah. fine now. there's like a five hundred dollar yeah. fine. It's had soap suds all in it. It's yeah. had all kinds of things. Now there are cameras, students. Yeah, there are, <laughs> there are cameras pointed at it, and you yeah. can't
1: you're not supposed to get in it. Um, but <clears throat> when they built it, Shelley and I were the were in the first class in the Centennial class to graduate from southern nazarene university and i did not know that and we stood usually they did the ivy ring ceremony which is a ceremony right. at the end of uh, at every graduation i did that and and they usually do it around the lamp of learning or the eternal flame here and that's where it was in, yeah on campus the lamp and of now learning. They, they start that they start your freshman year they start with a ceremony there and then they end with the ivy ring ceremony around the centennial plaza Shelley and i were in the first class To ever graduate. And while we were graduating, we go out to eat lunch and um hang out with the family afterwards. And my father-in-law goes, You know that those stones, since they were the first foundations they were the foundation stones of the first building that would become Southern Nazarene University, it existed in Hamlin, Texas.
0: Texiness, Texiness? (laughs) Texas Holiness College. Yes, Texas Holiness College. Texiness (laughs) College.
1: <laughs> I don't think that was the actual name. Yeah. It was Texas Holiness College. Yeah, but um, and I don't know me. that they spoke in tongues. I talk for a living. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we are Pentecostal. No, we dropped Pentecostal. The Pentecostal in the Church of Nazarene. Yeah, um, my bad. But it
1: was Texas Holiness College, and they uh, harvested those foundation stones from Hamlin and cut them up into what is now the Centennial Plaza that we graduate around. And my father-in-law said while we while he was here for that he said you know when i was a kid we used to play cops and robbers around those stones
0: around the stones yeah so wow. like he he
1: he played as a child around what was the leftover foundation stones of texas holiness college
0: when i was a kid growing up we played around stonehenge did you no <laughs> i grew up in texas yeah you
1: grew up, yeah i was excited. So you didn't you, you so your father-in-law
0: starting. played cops and robbers around the stones that now are sitting in front of us uh-huh. at the fountain at Southern Nazarene. Man, yeah. do you feel the history? I do. I feel the sacred,
1: the sacred space and the sacred places of here. Texiness yeah. Holy <laughs> NMD <numitive> College. <laughs> there you go. But you know what's even crazier is that while I was pastoring in Snyder, Texas, there was a mission. A missionary came on deputation, and I took the missionary from the Snyder Church after they spoke. Um, I drove over to Hamlin. To deliver that the missionary to the Hamlin Church, so they could speak that evening at Hamlin. And while I was there, the pastor, who was Randy Larpenter at the time, I remember Randy Larpenter. Um, he came, uh, he came out to greet us, and uh, and I was telling him, you know, about graduating around the Centennial Plaza, and he said, "We have one of those stones. We have it's on the front porch of the church." And so we went over, and he said, "Look, it's right here." And he took a chisel and a hammer, and he knocked the corner off of of the of the stone like not the big corner but just a, a small piece of the corner uh, about a fifth size and and gave it to me and it now sits on uh on the like what would be the mantle we don't have a fireplace but right we have a, a shelf right in the living room and it sits on the on the shelf and i got to tell maggie that story before we sent her to texas holiness college oh no southern nazarene southern university, nazarene
0: university. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to change our motto song is that how it still, goes? Is no, it's the, the time to begin. I've heard yet. it recently. I now don't you know really? with uh, yeah. our new president, Dr. Keith Newman, if that has changed yet or not. I haven't really heard that lately, but mm-hmm. but that, that song started, I think, when my brother was like in the choir. So that would be like circa nineteen ninety three. And it oh, is really? it is time for a change, maybe on, so? that, <laughs> on that song. Yeah. It's time to it's begin, time a, new to begin yeah. a new song. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you're not in the Oklahoma City area, that is, that's the commercial, and that's the little jingle. And it's been around for a little bit. Um, so all this history and all these spaces like Prayer Chapel and Sen- the Centennial Plaza with the stones um, kind of got me thinking that maybe we should just talk about sacred space and, and what it means to carve out a space um, to worship God and, and how important is that space? So I think this is interesting because I meet in a sanctuary, a sanctuary that has been around for 50 years now, and you meet in a gymnasium. And so yeah. we have very different kinds of sacred spaces. Sure. But what's the importance of sacred space for us as people of God? And maybe when is it important and when is it, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, they got a tent that they just pack up and move around, and then it became the temple that became settled. And there were some good things about having the settled temple, but there was also some complacency that came with it eventually because sure, they're like, they "We get, have the yeah. temple, so you can't yeah. touch us." Nanny, nanny, once they got boob.
1: the temple and they, and they owned the temple, they discovered that because the air conditioners kept breaking and they had <laughs> to fix them, that uh, the temple actually owned them. Right. Oh wait, that might that might well that,
0: that is that is part <laughs> of sacred space. And then you look at like, you know, some of the European cathedrals and you look at the amount of money and energy and time and effort that's been expended to create these places that when you walk in, you literally kind of feel like heaven and earth are colliding and you're like in the presence of God without even, you know, doing anything like just walking in. You just feel like God is here. Um, but is it worth that much expense and energy and income? Like some people would argue, couldn't we just give that money to the poor? It sounds a lot like Judas. But hey, um, you know, <laughs> what do you think about sacred space? And I, we both have like probably unique perspectives on that. And you're probably learning things as a church planner that I, I can learn yeah, from.
1: I think we're learning a lot. I think we're learning, um, you know, because a lot of my folks are interested in, could we find a place that was a little more permanent, you know? Right, so you're um, kind of in that phase yeah.
0: of the new church start, uh-huh. yeah.
1: And, and so people are thinking that way, and we, we are lacking what what you lack when you don't have a permanent space, when you don't have a building. Um, you know, I, I grew up, and all all the special events in my life, you know, when there was some anniversary of something or a birthday party or, a, a you know, just a, a special a family reunion or something like this, that oftentimes those things happened around... The building that was the church. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a church, and my dad would often remind us that when I was in high school, I helped build the auditorium. I wasn't even in attendance here, but, right? But I, I helped build this auditorium, and now I attend here, you know. And he then, of course, as life went on, he built a lot more in that building, and so there was sacred stuff there. But now I haven't been to that church in in years. It's right. been a long time. I don't even go to Level Land much anymore. Yeah. Um, don't have. You know, the family. We yeah, yeah. family living there, so um, it it just it's a building now. It's when, not as sacred, but there are times. Times when I think about the altar, like uh-huh. I think about a, a place of prayer, a place where I laid down my life, where I laid down my worry, where I laid down my fret, my shame, my fear. Um, when, when that happened, it it's at a very specific altar, and it's that right. the altar in my memory yeah. is the one that sat in the first. Uh, you know, in front of that first pew between the stage and the pew, uh, in uh, in Levelland, Texas, and um, one of them, I remember praying a prayer, and I went in by myself. I uh, I had they gave me the key. And, That's a scary. Thought. Yeah, they gave me the key as a, as a sixteen year old, and they said, Michael, we need somebody who's willing to go to the church on such and such days and open the door for this Boy Scout troop that meets. In, in our church gymnasium and um, and they went through the back door well i would have to go to the back door and unlock the back door but there wasn't a light switch up by the door i would have to climb down the stairwell in the dark in the dark
0: and then scary places churches yeah, in the dark and i used I to be would, <laughs> a janitor i
1: know <laughs> yeah it's a scary place and i would have to walk across what was our children's church set up in the dark to get to the to the light switch on the far side of the room and, um, and you couldn't see so I'd leave the door cracked but inevitably in west Texas the wind would blow it shut and so I'd be in this pitch blackness and i have to walk across to turn on the light well I remember my mom something was wrong with her uh, maybe her gallbladder or something like this she was in a great deal of pain and it had just happened and she was going to the doctor and he, she was kind of on bed rest and she was just miserable and she was hurting and uh, I was worried about her and I remember I went and it was time to unlock the it wasn't wasn't time to unlock the door. I wasn't supposed to be at the church, but I went and I unlocked the door and I found my way through the dark space and I went into the sanctuary. I went up in the stairs into the sanctuary, and I went to that altar and I I prayed and I wept for my mom and uh, and I remember very specifically the tears dropped on the altar. Yeah, and and yeah. I just left them. I didn't feel it right. That was that was my offering to God. <laughs> of grief and lament or whatever and I just left them there and I I left and by Sunday they were just dried salty tears right. you know yeah. there was a salt stain there but um, but by Sunday my mom had been healed and wow. she was fine she That's was good point. and uh, and I just remember how sacred that moment was and I remember when I was seven years old I took my mom by the hand and I responded to a message in a Sunday morning service I wasn't exactly sure I couldn't put words to it because I was just seven and she said what are we doing, Michael? And I said, You know. And and we went to the altar and I cried and she prayed over me and I prayed and, and I gave my heart to the Lord, you know, and said, Hey, I want to live for Jesus. I've seen my mom and dad do this, I want to do this too. Right. And so that was a sacred space. So you know, but now I'm an adult and in my mind it's a sacred space. But I mean, I, I have no reason to go to that building.
0: Yeah. Well, you were talking about building the building, helping build the building. When I was a kid, our church was expanding and building a new sanctuary. And so we kind of had a budget crisis. So we had to like have people in the church pitch in. So I'm up there hammering on the stage. And, and we had this foreman who was hilarious. And if you messed up, you had to write your name real big. So I remember mess. worshiping in this building and we hadn't carpeted it yet, so the plywood's all there on the stage, and I messed up right in front of the stage. So it's real big. It's Nate Cook, you know, just right there as people are worshiping the Lord. Um, there's this this uh, you know nail that was messed up and had to be redone, and so I had to circle it and and write my name. So it was hilarious. I think what you're getting at is that you know it's the experiences that we have as the people of god that make spaces sacred and yet that set aside space is important so like the reason why so many people have reacted to the prayer chapel being torn down because it flooded and it was structurally having issues like is because in those in that space there have been encounters with god and so same thing with the stones here um, i think my church has a unique perspective because we had a space and then it was burned and we were kicked out of it for about 18 months. And then we went back into the space. And so, you know, when it first happened, I was like, Oh, the church is just the people. It's not a building. And then, you know, as we had to kind of wander around, um, I began to realize, yes, the church is people. It's not just a building, but buildings are really, really important. And they shape the way that we respond to God. There's, there's, We create this space where we can come. And there's a sense in which every week we go, we're reminded um, of the God who loves us, the God who is is there, who is encouraging us, who is forgiving us, who is giving us strength and comforting us. And so the spaces take on the sacredness, not because of anything about the building itself, Although even aesthetics sometimes speak messages. Sure, they do. So, like those ceilings in those cathedrals, that yeah, it's almost like you're looking up into heaven. Uh, they speak a message. Um, you know, now the modern kind of setting where the the lights are low or whatever speaks a message. Sure. Everything speaks a message um, well, that uh, we if do. You,
1: if you happen to have painted uh, where heaven meets earth on the ceiling of the chapel, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, like the Sistine,
0: like the Sistine Chapel, um, yeah, you know,
1: then that. There's something about the artwork of it. All the architecture of it is an artwork to itself.
0: Or even the fact that you care about artwork and not just form or function. I mean, yeah, you care more it. about form than function. So, like, sure. you don't just have a building that's cheap to build or, or whatever. Sure. That that speaks about well, we what could, you yeah, value I mean, as a community. Yeah, we could live on gruel, right?
1: Like, we could eat just a, a soup of proteins if we if we wanted to as human beings. But we, we care about the artistry. Yeah, in the food that we, eat. we care about the artistry and the, in the, in the clo- we could just wear fig leaves, I guess, but we care about the artistry of it and fashion. You know, our desire to create comes into everything, and so when we create a space and we hope for it to be sacred and we invite the spirit to sanctify that space, um, it becomes uh, important. And it and then so when Jesus, you know, uh, says, "I'll tear this temple, you can tear this temple down, and I'll rebuild it in three days." Um, and talking about himself, and, and then helps the Christian person translate that sacred space can be our bodies. And then Paul further does that in Scripture in one of his letters uh, to help us understand that we can be sacred space. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a beauty to, uh, to that and a stewardship to that that becomes very important to the Christian walk, I think.
0: Right, and and I think as much as though we often try to take that sacred space in our bodies as individuals, Paul is always pushing us back. That your bodies, plural, y'all's bodies, are temples of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So I think there's a, a sense in which, Community. even the way we act towards one another, do we make space, yeah, for it to be sacred? Do we, do we, um, do we end up making this space holy? Because because we allow God to even speak to how we treat one another. Sure.
1: Like then, so, yeah. Then the stewardship of our bodies isn't just the stewardship, my stewardship of my body, but it's the stewardship of all the bodies. And so there's this uh, necessity for education. There's yeah. this Necessity for uh, for community care. Uh, you know, social justice. These kind of things come into play.
0: Yeah. And uh, how can that. I, you know, be feasting and you're fast, you're starving, like. Right. Like as a community there should be something there that we say, Wait, that's not sacred because one person shouldn't be going without while another person's, right. you know, stuffing right. themselves. And, and that's so-
1: where the priestly tradition and the prophetic tradition and the sages uh, from our old from Old Testament all kind of overlay and overlap in sort of a Venn diagram. They begin to mingle a little bit so that so that what you would say that sacred space has to do with the priestly tradition, but what do you mean
0: by that? Just for people who don't speak that language,
1: the priestly tradition. Yeah. Um, well, so in scripture we have contributors, and they generally belong to three different traditions. Right. Yeah. And those traditions are the prophetic tradition that would talk about uh, justice. The, yeah, justice and and society and the way it works and the kingdom of uh, the kingdom that where God reigns, um, and then uh, the priests would talk about uh, the necessity for uh, the cultic practices or the, the the sacred practices of the community of faith.
0: Kind of um, be holy as I am holy. Yes, you know, the, the,
1: they would invite you to worship services and regular attendance right. and tithing, yeah. and, <laughs> um, like the priests would do. And then um, and so the, then the ritual of it all. And then the sages would talk about a holiness of heart. That's how John Wesley would describe it, a holiness of heart, a desire to be.
0: Yeah, and they tended um, to be more poetic, more wisdom. That kind of stuff, right? Right, and so there would be this... I just wanted people who don't speak that language. Sure. Because we talk about it like in classes and stuff, but I don't know that everybody talks about the priest and prophetic and the sages. Right. Well, that would be
1: how holiness would be understood in Israel. Right. um, Is is through these kind of lenses. And, of course, uh, Jesus embodies all of those things. So through the lens of Christ, we have an understanding of what holiness is. And so... You know, sacred sacred space, sacred time, sacred people uh, are, are very important things to us. And so I think, you know, we're sitting here talking about these things on a campus that means a great deal to us. It's no small thing for us to sit on this porch right, and yeah. talk about these things. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I visited this campus and I sat at this table or that table right over there and talked with... Uh, young people who were working their way through their faith and taking ownership of their faith, sort of moved out of mom and dad's house, moved away from the home church, and they had they came here with preconceived notions of what what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, and they were discovering what it meant to own that for themselves right, yeah. and to own their faith. And so, you know, I'm this place is sacred in that it. Uh, it helps us encounter God for ourselves. Yeah. And in a brand new way, but within the context of a community that's even greater than the student body of this place. Right. It existed yeah. before us. So, I mean, there's the, the ST Ludwig religion building, you know, I, and there, it seemed like one of the dots for ST was always missing so that it said St. Ludwig.
0: <laughs> I don't know,
1: but um, it that's was, funny. You know, uh, it's a. But I know, you know, Laurie Cable sits in that office right there. The window right. right there, that's Doug Samples, you know. On the other, down low, that's Marty Michelson's office. I know these things because these people are sacred and this place is sacred. Right. Somehow that overlaps in my mind and in my life and it becomes important.
0: So, how, so I guess it's, I guess sacred space becomes sacred when the structures overlap with the people who are encountering God together. Sure, sure.
1: Um, Yesterday, uh, I talked about, I closed out a series um, at church on uh, Hope Remains. And, yeah. and, of course, you know, as, as is my custom, I, I visit Lamentations quite a bit. And uh, and so I think my congregation thinks that Lamentations is my favorite book of the Bible. But um, I
0: was wondering that myself.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, I visited there, and, and we talked about hope. Um, and it says in there, I dare to hope. When I remember this, right, and so it's this important thing. I dare to hope, even in my suffering, even in my homelessness. I dare to hope when I remember this, and then it begins to recount what the what God has done. It begins to recount the history uh, of Israel and how God was present in that. And um, and so I got to say this line, and it's basically you know kind of a ripoff of a of a uh, the title of a book written by Walter Brueggemann, but I said. Uh, if we want to have a, an exuberant hope, which exuberant would, for me, in that context, mean long-lasting and filled with joy, right? Right. So if I want an exuberant hope, then I have to have a deep memory. And so the sharing of story is very important to that and remembering, and, and places help us remember that. I mean, these stones in the Centennial Plaza are stacked Much like the the Old Testament scriptures that tell us, and they stack stones at Gilgal, and they stack stones so
0: that they could... And when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You will tell them. Yeah. you know. And we walk through the Jordan on dry ground. Yes. So, yeah, I'm thinking about this, and you're talking about history, and my son just came up, and I'm thinking, fourth generation of people that are here on my side, in this place, Mm -hmm. learning about the Lord and Savior, uh, fifth on his mom's side. And our grandparents actually went to school together. My parents were like two years older than her parents. And then Paula and I met here. And, you know, I I was not even thinking about ministry, but the Lord reached out to me through some professors like Dennis Bratcher and others to just lay that foundation. And now he's here studying to be a, a youth pastor. Um, and so like to me that that's a long memory like you're talking about yes. and that's definitely uh, that's that makes this place to me very sacred um, not just personally but because we are getting to be part of this larger story of of a church that's that's bigger than just this area I mean it represents several states here but then also the church around the world uh, 160 two, four world areas, it changes all the time. So it's hard for me to keep up. But but anyway, so yeah, this is good. Um, and, I, and I think when sacred space, when, when a church building becomes a place that people come to and they encounter Christ and they encounter one another in ways that are shaping them like Christ, then about any building can be sacred. Like whether it's a, sure. a middle school or you guys middle school or grade school gym or whether it's a sanctuary proper or whether it's a coffee shop, you know, it's it's the sacredness of it. But what makes it sacred is that people are encountering God on the journey of faith together. And these stones, you know, they do. They look like sticks of butter. But, <laughs> but at some point they housed, you know, the beginnings of this place sure. that you and I have not only experienced, you know, as students, but also as pastors, um, as leaders, um, learning from From other leaders, I mean, it's just been a great place for us. Sure. We wouldn't have met without this place, probably.
1: Right. Well, you know, if we were talking in real estate terms, we would say location, location, location. Um, And, you know, a a valuable location would be somewhere where two roads intersect. Right. Um, And so it's the same here for sacred things. Intersections of stories, intersections of persons, intersections of lives uh, lived out. Uh, intersections, even intersections that don't run uh, horizontal, but they run perpendicular, you know, where I encountered God in this place. It's why Bethel, right, is this place where... uh, House of God. Yeah, it's the house, means the house of God. And um, Jacob met God, uh, he had a dream about a stairway that went to heaven and angels were ascending and descending upon it. Jesus even references it and says, you know, uh, you will see. Right. You will see angels ascending and descending on the Son, son of Man, and calls yeah. himself the sacred space. Calls himself in that moment the house of God. Right. right? Yeah. And then we sing this wonderful song. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Yeah,
0: you know? that's the most baffling part of the whole story, <laughs> is that Probably now so. we become the sacred space. Yeah, it's amazing. Right? That Jesus says to his disciples, like, you're the place where heaven touches earth. Right. Because me living in you, yeah. will people will encounter me right. through
1: you. He says, "My dwelling place, my dwelling place will be among men."
0: Yeah, that's good stuff, mm-hmm. and that's really how the story ends. If you read the last chapter, <laughs> sure <is>. doesn't it? Because <laughs> uh, God will dwell with His people, and and uh, kind of the garden that you see in the end, this tree of life um, shows up again. You know, and it's. Yeah. All of a sudden, hum- humanity dwells with God and God with men because man. of Jesus. What a great
1: intersection today! I, yeah, uh, I- I'm sorry that I have to uh, catch a flight. Wish hey, I could stay long even with.
0: short intersections are good ones. Yes, sacred. Amen. Even holy, right, Nathan? <laughs> so yeah. holy. All right. Well, that's all we've got, I guess, today. And uh, we're gonna throw some discs and try not to get any more of Nathan stuck on the roof. <laughs> have a good day. We'll see you. All right, love you, man. Bye. Love you, too. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.